Hey G12 family, welcome to our podcast. We are so excited to have you here. We know this message will draw you closer to God's word, his will, and his way wherever you are. Enjoy the message. All right. So tonight, the title of my message is Relationships, colon, The Foundations. Okay? The Foundations. You see, what was the strategy that Paul and Michael and Glenser and Brooklyn and Nyla and Charlie? Whoa. You see that? What was their strategy? They had to balance it out, and they had to have the strongest people on the bottom, right? And why? Because it's all about a strong foundation. If you don't have a strong foundation, then everything falls apart. So today the title of the message is all about foundations. Amen? So I want to explain something to you. Um, Have you guys ever seen the pyramids of Egypt? Maybe not in person, like as a screensaver. <laughs> yeah, I haven't been there in person. But when you work in an office and they have like Microsoft-based computers, because I have an Apple, but all the PC computers always have like the same screensavers. It's like the ocean or the pyramids <laughs> or something, you know. And you see these pyramids. They were made so many years ago, and it's still the same principle. The bottom, the foundation has to be the strongest. Every time you're building something, the foundation has to be the strongest. If you look at the way buildings were made, I remember, well, Brooklyn was here with her New York shirt. Um, How many people are from New York? Woo! Awesome. So in 9-11, not so awesome, weird segue, but the buildings that were there fell. And for those of you who have been to New York, a few years later, you would go, and you would go to ground zero, and there was a huge hole in the ground, right? Because that's where the foundations were. And then they started to rebuild, and for years, I remember there was a period of time that, I mean, New York has always been one of my favorite places to go on vacation. Now, I have kids, and it's not as fun as it used to be. I mean, I have Zoe, and I have another one on the way. But Zoe doesn't like being in her stroller. And there's a lot of people in New York, so I can't let her out. And she's like, I want to get out. I'm like, no, because I don't know these people, you know. And there is some crazy stuff that happens on the subway. For those of you who haven't been, one day you're going to go and you're going to remember me telling you this. And you're going to be like, oh, yeah, Ashley told me that this would happen. There's crazy stuff that happens on there. And you don't want your two-year-old or three-year-old to see what happens on the subway. So now that I have, like, kids, I'm like, it's fun, but... I'd rather go to, like, Disney, you know, or just a resort or something where I could lay down and sleep. But there was a period of time when I was single. I used to love going to New York, like, with my friends. I'm like, hey, let's do a girls' trip, and we would plan a trip. And every year, the same trip would be, like, Memorial Day weekend, New York, right? And every year, year after year, we would go to Ground Zero, and the holes were there. And one year, there would be, like, a beam. And it took so long to see what they were going to do there. But why? Because they were building the foundation, right? And then eventually you would go back and you would see what happened in that place. So every building has to have a strong foundation. There's um, a theory that I like a lot. I think it's very important for Christianity. It's called the iceberg theory. I have a picture here of an iceberg. And this is very important to highlight what I want to share with you guys today. Right here you see an iceberg. 
above the surface, you only see not even half of this iceberg, right? Because the true strength of the iceberg is determined by what's under the surface, by what people can't see. And that's the same for us as Christians, especially when we talk about relationships. The true strength of a Christian lies beneath the surface, what people can't see, right? It's not all about what people see you doing. People come here and see you worship and see you pray and see you, you know, give your offering. You're like filling out your offering envelope and you put it up high so the person next to you can see how much you're writing. If that was a good week, right? If you had a good week at work and your tithe is looking good, you write it. Oh, okay. The next week, if you did have a good week, you're like, oh, right? And people can see those things. But true Christianity is about what people can't see, about what's beneath the surface. What is happening when people are not looking? Amen? And so what I want to talk to you guys about today is that I remember one time I, I was maybe, I had been married for a year and I've always like felt a calling to evangelism and I was out in the beach and my mom always like tells me to be careful but I was there in the beach and this guy came up to me. I don't know if he was homeless or not. I don't want to judge you know but he looked like he was homeless and he was talking a little bit like he was homeless right and he started talking to me and so I was like oh this is my opportunity I'm gonna I'm gonna win him you know. And um, he asked me, he's like, oh, so what's your dream in life? And I thought he was like a little drunk. So I was like, is this guy drinking? Like I couldn't tell. But he's like, what's your dream in life? And for some reason or another in that moment of my life, that, that question that that guy asked me really made me think. Because at one point in my life, you would ask me, what's my dream? And I'll be like, oh, well, you know, when I was younger, I, I want to have my career and I want to do all these important things, and then you get a little bit older and you get more involved in ministry. You're like, oh, I want to be a pastor of multitudes and do amazing things. But then in that moment of my life, I remember thinking so hard about the question, and I remember the answer that came from my heart. It was like, my biggest dream in life is to have a godly marriage and raise a godly family. Right? And I was like, amen. Thank you. And why, right? I want us to look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. It says, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. Amen? So we see here that God's biggest purpose, God's biggest mission for us as mankind is to join us together in marriage to raise up godly families, right? A lot of times we don't realize this, but the biggest mission that God has for us is this. Because every other mission that God has for you in your life will flow from you being in a godly marriage and having a godly family. Amen? So in that moment when this strange man asked me this question, that's what I realized, that the biggest thing is to have a godly family. And so as Christians, sometimes, how many of you guys are single? Raise your hand. Woo! Actually, let me start this question out the other way, because how many of you guys are married? All right. 
Some of you didn't raise your hand when you were single. Some of you didn't raise your hand when you're married. So how many of you have a significant other? You're single. Okay. <laughs> All right. So technically speaking and legally speaking, you are single until you are married. Okay, because I remember when I was like special friends with Josh, and they used to be like, all the single people come to the front. I'm like, what do I do? Like, and then I would look at him. I'm like, I don't want him to feel bad, but and then we would both go to the front. Like, we didn't know what to do. So, just FYI, if you are in a relationship but you're not married, you're still single. Remember that, okay? Because you can't be acting like you're married if you're not married. Amen. Amen. Amen? So, how many people are single? Woo! All right, amen. And so, a lot of times when you're single and you're a young Christian or a single Christian, you tend to have this thought. You're like, man, I can't wait till I get married. If only I get married, everything will be so much easier. I won't be alone anymore. I won't struggle with these things I struggle with anymore. Everything will be so much easier when I get married. And we think that marriage is the solution. And we're just like suffering and sticking it out until the day comes when we can get married. How many of you guys have felt that way? Yeah. It's okay. Be honest. Right? But what happens? God is preparing us. Right? Because your single life is not for suffering. It's not for, you know, for you to just get through it. Your single life is preparation for your married life. I want you to tell your neighbor that. Your single life is preparation for your married life. Right? Um, I'm going to give you guys a quick example, right? Because we think that marriage will fix all our problems. But really, marriage will highlight all of your problems. Right? Because when we go out of the house... Some people, and I'm not, I don't know if that's any of you in this room, but I've heard some people, like, they don't take a shower. It's like four in the afternoon, and then they're like, oh, I have to go to church. And they take a shower, and they get dressed to come to church, but the whole day they were sitting at home just not showered, not doing anything. But then they come here, and we all see everybody. We're like, oh, you look good. Wow. You know, we think we put our best foot forward, right? We're, we show everybody our best self, right? When you're married... You, there is no best self. There's someone there that's going to see you all the time. Right? I'll give you guys an example. My daughter, Zoe, I mean, I honestly think she's just like me, right? I love lemon. I know this is weird, but Colombians, we like that. How many Colombians? Woo! So my husband's always like, ew, why are you guys eating that? It's like, and our treat, like when Zoe wants a snack or something, instead of candy, she asked me for a lemon. And we cut it up, and she's like, I want one too. And we sit down at the table, and we eat it with salt. And I used to do this when I was pregnant, so maybe that's why she likes it. But we eat it, and she's like, she eats it. I remember one time we were in New York with Kevin and Rocio. They were like, what is she doing? We're at a restaurant. She ate like a whole lemon. She was like six months old. And she eats the whole thing, right? And then the plate still has lemon juice on it. And can you believe, listen to what she did. She picked up the plate, and she goes, <laughs> I'm like, baby, what are you doing? You can't do that. Like, I'll give you another lemon. Relax. You know? And she's like, but it's my casa. 
You know, like she's like, I'm at home. I can do this. And she understands, even at that young age, that there's some things that are socially acceptable and some things that are not, right? And that's the same thing that we have going on as people who are a little bit older. We understand the things that are socially acceptable and the things that are not, right? Even in the days, my worst days, when I don't feel like brushing my hair, when I understand that I can't leave the house like that, right? But when you're married, you don't have to leave the house. The person is right there looking at you. So marriage doesn't fix your problems. It just highlights them. Amen? So married life is a blessing. But single life is preparation. Amen? Single life is about laying the foundation. And so there's three areas I'm going to talk about today that you have to lay the foundation in. The first one, the first point is that it starts at home. It starts at home. And if you're taking notes, you can write down for 2 Kings 21, 20, and 21. It basically says that this new king of Israel followed in the footsteps of his father and did everything that his father did wrong. He worshipped the wrong idols and didn't follow God, right? And so what happens is that a lot of us who didn't grow up in Christian homes, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, and even if you did grow up in a Christian home, is my time up? No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Even if you did grow up in a Christian home, what we do is that we pick up customs and patterns in our home life, right? So the way we communicate is learned in our family life. The way we deal with conflict is learned in our family life. The way we show affection is learned in our family life. And all of these patterns, we learn them in our home environment. For example, growing up in my family, we didn't really deal with conflict. We just pretended like it didn't happen, right? I know it's not healthy, but something would happen or, you know, when you're growing up and you're like in that in-between age and your parents have to talk to you about uncomfortable things, right? My parents didn't do that. They're like, well, she's going to figure it out. They're going to figure it out. We're not talking about this. And then from one moment to the next, they're like, you guys know, we know, we know you know, and that's it. Right? Because we didn't really talk about things. And then when I got married, I was like, Josh wanted to talk about everything. I'm like, well, why are we going to talk about this, you know? I'm like, why are we going to talk about this, you know? And it was so hard for me to really open up to him. You know, I remember even after my dad passed away, like we went to Colombia. It was a whole drama. And when we got back, like we were driving in the car and he's like, hey, um, are you okay? <laughs> like, and I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> Why? He's like, because like we haven't really talked about what happened at all with your dad. And I'm like, oh, yeah. He's like. Well, I mean, how are you feeling? And then I started to cry in the car. I was like, I broke down. Because he came from a family that was more expressive, that talked about things more. I was from a family that didn't really talk about things that much, right? And the same thing goes for the way you show affection, right? Some families are more affectionate than others. Other families are like, hey, what's up, you know? And so we grow up with these patterns in our family. So in your paper, you're going to write down different patterns that you want to break from your family. Because this is where we receive our first lesson, right? The other thing we learn in our families is how to serve, right? Your family is your closest circle. 
And that's where you learn how to serve. Where are the married people again? Woo! Serving is a big part of marriage, right? There's days I don't feel like cooking at all. I'm like, man, I don't even know what to cook. I just want to make mac and cheese, right? But guess what? I have to get up and cook. And I thought I would just be cooking one meal a day. But Josh doesn't like leftovers. So sometimes I got to make three meals a day. Not because I have to, right? But because marriage is about serving, right? That in family life is where you learn how to obey and how to submit, right? If you can't submit and obey your parents, then you're going to have a very hard time when it gets to marriage, right? And this is not just for women because the Bible says submit to each other. And, and, for, no, and then it says wives submit to your husbands, right? But what happens? What happens? If you have a hard time submitting to your parents, then the first time you have to submit to your spouse, you know, and the men who are married here, you know, the Bible says wives submit to your husbands. But if Josh were here, he's working right now, and the men who are married here will testify to this. The guys end up having to do what their wife says, right? Right? You're like, like even Josh is like, man, I got to do this again, you know, like, because even when he doesn't want to, he knows that he'd rather make me happy than not happy. Amen? He doesn't like me when I'm not happy. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Right? And so the family life, your home life is the place where you learn these things. And a lot of times we learn unhealthy habits in our home life. But the second part of that is that that's the place that God has placed you. God put you in that family for two reasons. To train you, right? Because if you can't live with the family that you were born into, then how are you expecting to live with someone that you will be joined together with, right? He put you there so that you could be a light in your family, so you could change those patterns. So if your family, now I'm the one that's the most communicating in my family. I'm like, mom, you know, what are we going to do about this? My mom's like, oh, no, 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 I don't want to talk about that. I'm like, no, we have to talk about it, right? And she's the mom. But when you're the Christian, you have the opportunity to change those patterns in your family and to start to develop healthy, biblical, godly patterns so that when you get married, you're ready. Amen? Amen. The second thing, it starts with your heart. Tell your neighbor, it starts with your heart. In Proverbs 4.23, it says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Everything we do in life flows from our heart. Everything you do in your life depends on the condition of your heart. If your heart is not right, everything you do is going to be a reflection of the way your heart is in that moment. And so one of the most important foundations is your heart, right? A lot of times we have experiences in our past. Last week, Carolina was sharing about a past relationship that she had that God saved her and snatched her from the fire from, right? And a lot of times we have the different experiences that we go through in our past. A lot of times we have things that happen in our family that I just mentioned, right? So for me, a lot of wounds that I had were, you know, because my dad didn't want to communicate about certain things. 
And so I had like all these wounds in my heart. And what happens is that we have this conditions, these conditions in our heart, right? We have fears and insecurities. We have wounds that can come out in ways of jealousy or anger issues or control issues. Have you ever seen people that are like scary control freaks? Like they want to control you and you're like, I don't even know you. Like why are you, what, what are you doing, right? You, we, there used to be a person I knew like that and I thought it was crazy. I'm like, okay. She's like, why are you looking over there? I'm like, because I feel like looking over there. <laughs> you know, like, um, who are you talking to? I'm like, none of your business, <laughs> right? Like, and they, they want to control everything and know everything, right? There's different ways that it comes out in self-esteem issues, right? And all of these wounds become very visible. For example, I told you guys I come from a not Christian family, and we went through a lot of trauma growing up. You know, we had a brother. We lost him, like, my parents' marriage fell apart because, we, because they lost a child, right? And so it's understandable, especially if they don't have God. But then after that, like, a, the marriage didn't just, like, fall apart. They tried to stick it out, but it wasn't working. And they tried for many years to stick it out. It just wasn't working. And I became a Christian, and I became a leader. And then years later, I met Josh, and we became special friends. And, you know, hopefully you all know about doing the fast. And when we were doing the fast, because Josh doesn't come from a Christian family either. And he also has some similar, you know, not so great examples. And I never noticed I had these fears in my life because I never had the opportunity to notice. I didn't have anybody that I liked. But all of a sudden, when I was special friends with Josh, all of these fears started coming into my heart. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm a leader I've been a leader for such a long time, and these fears are still there. I'm like, oh, my gosh, what if I get married and it doesn't work out? What if we end up just like my mom and just like my dad? What if he ends up being like his dad and my dad? Oh, my God, what if I end up being like my mom? What if I end up being like my dad, right? And you start going crazy. And I didn't notice, but those fears were there. And it was so important that me and him together be able to address those things and have those things healed before we got married, right? Because if you go into marriage with those fears and those insecurities and those wounds in your heart, it will tear your relationship apart. And that's why your single life is preparation for your married life because it's a time to deal with issues of the heart. Amen? Amen. Now, the last and final thing... And like I said, marriage, did I mention this? So in the second point, marriage is a magnifying glass, right? So you think that these fears and these wounds and these insecurities and all of these things will go away if you get married. But in reality, you get married and it's like the other person has a magnifying glass and they're like, I can see right through you, right? Because all of a sudden, all of these things start coming out. Same thing for number three. Marriage is a magnifying glass. So number three, it starts with your disciplines. It starts with your disciplines. And that's the third area here on this paper where it says, put your life in order. There's a verse in Song of Solomon 2.15. I'm going to read it to you guys and then I'll explain it to you guys because I don't know if you're going to understand it. But it says, catch for us the foxes. The little foxes that ruin the vineyard are vineyards that are in bloom, right? And so what this verse is saying is that there's a beautiful garden, right, a vineyard, 
A vineyard is a garden that produces grapes that make wine. And they only produce at a certain time in the year. And they're in bloom. They're ready to give fruit. But there's these little animals that sneak into the garden and they start to eat the grapes. And they start to tear up the roots. How many of you guys have dogs? Ooh, I'm not, I don't have pets because I can't clean up after the, an animal. Um, but I've seen that like dogs, like they like to dig, right? And they make holes. And so this is what this verse means. These little animals, these little foxes, they sneak into the vineyard, into the garden. They eat the fruit and they dig up. The, the plants so the roots don't stick. And then it says, catch the little foxes that ruin the vineyard. And this is a word for your disciplines, right? You as a person, as a single person, as a Christian, it's your life is that vineyard. And the little foxes are those little things that are sneaking around in your life that people may not know about, right? Maybe your unhealthy habits. Maybe the sins that you struggle with. Maybe the temptations that still draw you in. Those are the foxes. And they ruin the vineyard. They spoil the fruit in your life. And here the Bible says, catch them. Take them out of the garden so they don't spoil the garden that is in the season of growing. Amen? And so the third part that is a foundation for us, it starts with your disciplines. Right? Mar marriage is a magnifying glass. And so don't think that if all of a sudden you get married, you're going to become the most well-balanced person in the world. Right? First discipline that's important is your discipline with God. Right? Your devotional life. Your prayer life. How much do you really seek God's guidance in the decisions that you make? Right? Those are important disciplines for you to develop now. Because don't think... That just because you get married, you're going to be like, oh, man, maybe the first month. But after that, it's going to be hard for you to keep it up. You're going to be like, oh, man, I got to wake up early so they think I pray. You know, and you go and you pray. Or like, you know, you're sleeping or you're in your room and you hear your, like your spouse coming home. You're like, oh, my Bible, my Bible. Oh, my Rema word, you know. <laughs> no. Don't think that you're going to get married and all of a sudden, you're going to become the most disciplined person in doing your devotional. If you don't do it now, don't think you're going to have time to do it then. And then when you have kids, you're going to be doing your devotional like with your kids running around. You're like, oh, my gosh, you know. If you don't have time now that you're single, like Jocelyn was saying, you're young, you're single, you have all the energy and time in the world. This is the time to establish those disciplines, right? How much do you seek God in your decision making? Because when you're married... A lot of decisions have to be made, right? Simple decisions, complex decisions. What name are we going to give our child? Don't think you're going to agree right away. Trust me, right? Depends on your background. Some people want like really hippie names <laughs> and other people want just conventional names. Or if you marry in a multicultural place... Like me, I'm like American, but I'm from a Colombian family. And Josh is really American. Like, hey, he's like third generation Dominican. And so when I say like, oh, some certain names like that are really Hispanic, he's like, what? I can't even say that name. <laughs> like, you know, and then like I wanted to put like the middle name. And he's like, how many names do you want our kids to have? 
this is the United States. You get maximum three names. And I'm like, gosh, come on. I wanted to hyphenate our last names, right? Because, you know, I'm very proud of my background. And I'm like, why don't we do Lawrence and Aziz? He's like, why don't we not? Because we're in the United States, and this is where you get one last name. And, you know, for the most part, like I said earlier, he likes to make me happy. He was not budging on that. I'm like, well, what if after she's born, I go and I change her name? He's like, you wouldn't dare, you know? And, you know, so it depends on your culture and your background. You're not always going to agree on everything, right? What job to take? Who's going to go to school and who's going to stay home? Who's going to make the money? Who's going to work? Who, what sacrifices are we going to make? These are big decisions. And if you don't know how to be led by God now, when you get married, you're not going to know how to be led by God. And it, instead of being a person that seeks guidance from God, it's going to create conflict in your marriage. Because you're going to say, no, this is what I want. The other person is going to say, no, this is what I want. And none of you are going to be saying, this is what God wants. And you're just going to fight. Right? Another discipline that's important to understand is the disciplines of mm, your character, I would put it. Right? What? This has to do with your integrity. This has to do with the things that you do when no one is looking, your holiness. Right? What things are still in your life? I'm, this is a rhetorical question. You could write it down on your sheet of paper and keep it. But integrity is so important in marriage. And that's why it's so important that you develop it now. Right? One of the things that I loved about Josh was that he was a person, a man of his word. Right? I remember when we were boyfriend and girlfriend, he, I found out that he used to do something. Right? Because he likes to learn a lot and research a lot and sometimes it would get in the way of his relationship with God and I remember one time he told me he's like yeah what I do is that I my laptop my computer I leave it in my car and then I drive my car because he used to live in like this community and I park it really far away from my house and then I walk back home that way when I'm at home at night and I feel like looking something up or going on the computer then I think, oh, man, my computer's so far away. I don't want to go all the way over there and get it. Forget it. I'm just going to stay here. And he used to do this for a long period of time until he developed a discipline where he could say, okay, I don't need to do that anymore. That's unnecessary, right? But I thought, wow, that's amazing that he does that. Another thing I remember at the beginning, it offended me a little bit. But we would hang out. We were boyfriend and girlfriend. We would hang out. And his mom was there. They would always invite me over for dinner. Because I told you I don't like to cook. So when I was single, I really didn't like to cook because I don't like to eat alone. And they would invite me over for dinner. We would hang out for a little bit. And then it would get, because I'm a night person, but he's a morning person. So it would get a little bit late, like 9.30. And he's like, okay, you have to leave now. And I was like, what? Oh, my gosh. I was like crying. I'm like, you're so mean. Like, I'm like, oh, okay. Okay. Right? And he's like, but he would say, He's like, no, I'm not trying to be rude, but, you know, this is not, like, the time of the day that you should be out and that we should be here together, right? And I was like, okay, you know, and I was, like, embarrassed. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'll busy you tomorrow morning then, you know? But I love that about him. In the moment, I was like, okay, like, you could be a little flexible, you know? I remember one time I told him, like, oh, I was telling him about this comedian that I liked. And, and I was, like, cracking up, telling him the story. And I was like, oh, yeah. And I turn around and look at him. He's like, 
you watch that? <laughs> I was like, what? He's like, that's so, like the words that he said. And he was like super mad. I was like, okay, um, I'm sorry, <laughs> right? And, um, and then I felt so embarrassed. I, I never watched that comedian again to this day. I'm like, even when I see like an ad on YouTube, I'm like, no, right? But I loved his integrity. I loved how firm he was. And he doesn't do it. He didn't do it and doesn't do it for what people were seeing. He did it because it was a discipline that he was developing. And you know what that cr created? That created confidence in me as a woman to know that I could walk into a marriage with him and know that I could trust his level of integrity and know that I would never have to doubt his integrity because I was seeing it right in front of my eyes. He had it when he was single. He was going to have it when we were married. Amen? And then the third area of our disciplines are our habits, right? So this has to do with more practical things. Your cleanliness, your organization. If you're a messy person, don't think you're going to become neat and organized when you get married. Don't think like the day you get back from your honeymoon, you're like, oh, now I'm going to get it. No. This has to do with your eating habits, right? If you eat a certain way when you're single, you're going to eat the same way when you're married. You're just going to eat double of it because when you're married, you eat all the time, right? This has to do with how you manage your finances. If your finances are out of order now, don't expect that when you get married, they're all of a sudden going to be Dave Ramsey, right? It doesn't happen like that. These are disciplines that we make and create in our single life so that we can walk into a healthy married life. Amen? These are disciplines. Like another discipline that I think is really important, and I'm going to talk to both men and women with this, is the way you relate. And I talked about this in family life, right, how you serve and submit. Because selfishness, if you are a person that has the habit of selfishness, you need to get rid of that now, right? Selfishness is one of the worst things that you can carry into a marriage. Because the Bible very clearly says that we were meant to get married to serve each other, right? And it says that men should love their wives the way Christ loved the church and he gave up his very life, right? So if you have a selfish nature, a selfish habit, you have to change that before you get married. Amen? And so single time, how many of you are single? Woo! You got work to do, right? We have to start laying the foundation for the future, right? And I want to end with Isaiah 28, verse 16. What's first, Jeremiah or Isaiah? Do you guys know? Isaiah. Good job. Isaiah 28, verse 16. It says, this, you guys have it? Amen. If you don't, it's on the screens. <laughs> All right, it says, this is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. And it's speaking about Jesus. In the New Testament, Jesus speaks of himself and the 
apostles refer to him as the cornerstone. And then it says, the one who trusts in him will never be dismayed and will have no fear for trouble. Amen? So I want to conclude with this. And now I'm going to talk to everybody. I know most of everybody here is single. If you are married or if you are in that relationship phase where you're getting ready to get married, I don't want you guys to think it's too late. Well, oh, man, that sounds great. I wish I would have done all that. It's never too late, right? And if you're single, it's definitely not too late. Here the Bible tells us that there is a precious cornerstone named Jesus. And he is the sure foundation. And if we lay our trust on him, if we rely on him, then we have no need to fear for trouble. Amen? And so today my challenge is that we run to Jesus as the foundation. Because only Jesus can heal those wounds that we carry. Only Jesus can solve the issues of the heart. Only Jesus can restore broken families. Only Jesus can create new patterns where you've been living for generations. Your family for generations has had these old unhealthy patterns. Only Jesus can break those chains. Amen? And only Jesus can transform your disciplines, right? Jesus, he said, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, Peace, patience, da, 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 da. What was the last one? Do you guys know what the last one is? Is it long-suffering? I thought it was self-control. Love, joy, peace, patience, righteousness. Self-control. I mean, at least the way I learned the verses, the last one is self-control. So that fruit of self-control, which is the most important thing you need to have for discipline, is a fruit of the spirit, Right? Jesus gives you all of those things. So I'm going to ask you guys to stand. And I want you guys to keep this paper. This paper is for you to write down practical things. What you're going to do in your life to change so that you can be ready. Amen? And we're going to run to Jesus. Another thing that I wanted to mention that I didn't, I don't think I mentioned it, is in the area of your heart, something that's very important is forgiveness. If you walk into a marriage with unforgiveness in your heart, you're going to carry unforgiveness into your relationship, right? And so a lot of times these wounds and these issues in our heart have to do with forgiveness. We just aren't good forgivers, Right? And I'm not judging. I struggled with it for a long time. Sometimes it's not that easy, like, you know, when you're in kindergarten, you're like, oh, say sorry, sorry, okay, great. Everything is over, you know. Sometimes there are serious things that happen in your life, right? Serious experiences in your past, very big traumas in your family. You know, I'm speaking in first person that it wasn't just enough for, like, for someone to come and say, oh, sorry about that. And me to be like, oh, great, okay, it's super no, you know, it was a long time for me to forgive. And a lot of times that's one of the things in our heart that we have to prepare. Being married, you have to become an expert at forgiving. Trust me, right? If you, you gotta, you're going to be with this person for eternity, the rest of your life here on earth. You think you're never going to have to forgive them? 
The second question is, they're going to be with you for the rest of their life here on earth. You think they're never going to have to forgive you? You know, forgiveness is one of the most important things you can practice as a Christian. And so today what I want to start out with is that I want you guys to close your eyes and just think about your family life. Think about how you've been in your family, the patterns that your family has created, maybe the way that you've learned how to communicate. Maybe you guys only know how to communicate in anger or only know how to communicate in passive-aggressive ways. Maybe you don't know how to communicate at all. Maybe you guys, you know, don't really show affection. Maybe you show too much affection, you know. Maybe you don't know how to show affection the proper way. Maybe you don't know how to deal with conflict. Whatever it is, whatever things have happened in your life, whatever past experiences have created wounds or fears and insecurities in your heart, you're going to think about those things. And now you're going to raise your hands. Lord Jesus, here we are, God. We are your people, Lord, who are called by your name. And we want to be the best version of ourselves that we can be, Lord. We want to be the version of ourselves that you have called us to be. Oh, Holy Spirit, today I pray that you come to this place and that you begin to move our hearts. Speak to us today, Lord, and show us, reveal to us which things we need to place in order, Lord. Today we want to have that firm foundation in our life, Lord, that foundation that is you, Lord. Today we pray, and you're going to begin to pray for your family and say, Lord, today I pray for the closest relationship that I have in my life. My life which is my relationship with my family Lord forgive me God if I haven't been a light in my family forgive me Lord if I haven't been obedient to my parents if I haven't submitted to my parents if I haven't learned how to serve my family and the ones I love Lord I pray that you begin to teach me how to be that person that Christian that serves my family that loves my family that obeys and submits to my authorities, Lord. Today I pray that you make me a light. Even if my family is not Christian, even if they don't know how to do it, Lord, let it start with me. Teach me how to guide them and lead them in godly principles, Lord. And Lord, look at the wounds and the insecurities, the experiences of our past. I pray, Lord, and you're going to put one hand over your heart. Jesus has seen everything inside of your heart. One of my favorite verses in the Bible says that he is the one who searches the innermost parts of our heart. So he knows your fears even before you know them. He knows your insecurities. He knows who you have to forgive. He knows the wounds that are in your heart. And today, Lord Jesus, I pray for every person in this place that you may deposit one drop of your blood over their heart, that blood that heals every wound. Your word says that you shed your blood to heal us, Lord. And I pray for that healing over their lives, Lord. Remove any fear, any fear of the future fear of failure, remove all insecurity from their lives, Lord. Heal every wound, and you're just going to take a minute to whisper that to Jesus. Jesus, heal my wounds. 
If you've been able to identify some of them, you're going to say, heal my wounds that come from this past relationship or that come from this time in my life with my family. Lord, heal me. I want to be a sound, full, well-balanced person, Lord. Today, Lord Jesus, I pray for healing over your people, God. And today, I pray that you deposit the fruit of your spirit in them, Lord. That you begin to form them and mold them. Your word says that we are like clay in your hands. You are the potter and you form us and you mold us. And I pray that you form us and you mold us into those people, those Christians who have healthy disciplines in our relationship with you, in our character, in our integrity, the things that we struggle with. Lord, I pray that you begin to deal with those things in our life. And if you hide them, they can never be fixed. But if you tell them to the Lord the Lord can fix those issues in your life say Lord I struggle with these things these are my temptations I pray that you begin to mold me and shape me and remove those things from me Lord I pray Lord Jesus that you give them wisdom and discernment Lord in every area of their life to develop healthy disciplines Lord in their finances in their jobs in their eating habits their organization your word says you are a God of order and I pray that you begin to place their lives in order Lord we pray you're just going to raise your hand and we just worship you in this place and you're going to pray continue to pray for your life for the Lord to lay those foundations in your life and if you're married you're going to pray with your spouse and say Lord we commit to putting these things in order together Lord together we will get together and we will put these things in order Lord if there's some things that we skipped over when we were single now is our time and we will put them in order Lord today we worship you God we worship you in this place Lord so much for tuning before you go make sure to click the follow button so you never miss what's new we would love to connect with you. You can follow us on Instagram at G12Church and share with us how this message has impacted you. Until next time.